Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Caw, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the man who could fit a door in any jam, even if it was a magical door on a beach, the one and only DJ. That sounds, that sounds a little dirty there, you know? Like... <laughs> you know what? As I was saying it, I was like... Hmm. To the door in any jam. I meant it literally, but then the word started coming out of my mouth. <laughs> what is this door? Not a door. It's a jar. Oh, jar. Right, this is weird stuff too. Don't go. Don't go googling that. What? Nothing. Nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> How have you been, DJ? Oh, each day is a gift, Rachel. You know because it's the present. Oh my god! I have a feeling we are in. <laughs> White. Oh my god! So, I, have you ever seen the movie Doctor Giggles? No, I haven't. Doctor Giggles. Okay, writing it's it not a great movie. Okay, not writing it down. No. Well, stay <laughs> with me. It is literally nothing but like Doctor Pun after Doctor Pun after Doctor Pun. The pun game is so strong. I feel like you might have a good time. It's very. It's like a from 1992, okay. and it's like kind of a gory stupid horror slasher where the do- the killer is an escape mental patient that thinks he's a doctor <laughs> and I mean, so that there's sounds fun yes i mean it's it's all very like have a heart and he'll, as he throws like a bucket of hearts at someone <laughs> and then or you know the doctor and now i'm heartless exactly it's it's all very like that i think you would appreciate it. like one point they're in a room full of or like one of those hall of mirrors mm-hmm. and he traps someone and like covers her face with a comically oversized band-aid and when people get like someone sees it and screams he's like what's the problem it's ouchless <laughs> i just feel like you might have fun with this movie like have a couple drinks you and danny feel like something stupid dr giggles might be for you my friend <laughs> There's a lot of dad jokery. I mean, I'm in like I um I start every meeting with like a couple of bad one lighters that I scribble down before this the start because it seems to like get people engaged a little bit better with these stupid online meetings. So yeah. <laughs> listen, whatever works, right? <laughs> I, uh, OK, I got one for you and okay. uh, you can cut this or not. But um, I uh, I came up with this for my morning meeting and it's like, OK, so there's three buffalo. And they're out wandering the plains, and the dad needs to use the restroom. So he starts to wander off, but before he leaves, he whispers to his kid, Bison. Oh, no. Get it? Because there's no buffalo in in the United States. They're all bison. And, like, it's also <laughs> by son because he's saying goodbye to his son. See, that was deeper than I thought it was. I got the second, like, the by son, bison. But I didn't even know that this was, like, a play on the fact that it's also, yeah, it's American corrected the joke fallacy. writer because it's like, you, you don't know how, you don't know that there are no buffalo here, boy. Anyway. <laughs> On that note. On that positive, exciting note. Uh, it's a weird week. What are you going to do? We are going to be having a fun episode tonight, though. Okay. So we're going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about something new. The Little Sisters of Eluria Sections 1 and 2. Now, this was a first read for me. And let me tell you, it, I don't know. When did 97? Is that when Dark Tower came out? That it, It's been that long since I've had... No, 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 that's not true, because obviously I read Wind Through the Keyhole. But whenever that came out was the last time I read something new from the Dark Tower, and I never, I'd always hoped but never thought I would get an opportunity to experience that again for the first time, but we did, which has been really, really fun. So I'm super excited to talk about this with you today. So we're going to set cover sections one and two, and then I'm going to switch things up by closing out the show by asking a listener question. We had such great response last time when we asked it in advance on the show that I thought, let's switch up the format. So I'll still post them on the Facebook group, but I'm going to start trying to include questions on the episode for the next episode so that we can get everybody involved, whether you're on Facebook or not. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Before we get started, though, Rachel, I I got a quick question for you because this is new material to me, too. And so as I was, like, swinging around Googling... I noticed that it's a comic book question mark. I mean, they, I did that come first or second? Second. Okay, so okay. it's part of when they did the adaptation, the Marvel adaptation of Wizard and Glass and they had with Gunslingers Born and stuff. This was included in that. Okay. That Cause sense. I, 
it was actually um this was really nice because there was a couple of descriptions specifically of like the room that they're in that I wasn't quite grasping oh. what they were talking about. And it was really nice to just start Googling the comic and then see artists interpretation of those spaces because like the thing Roland's in and we'll get to it, but I had no conceptual knowledge of that as like a medical thing. So I, I'd, I'd never seen one before. Right. I mean, it sounds very kinky, whatever <laughs> well, it is. It's, it's actually like a, a legit thing. And like, once you see it, you realize that you have seen it before in other movies and, you know, mm-hmm. doctor stuff. It's just that you've never heard it described and never really thought about it in those terms. And so, yeah, yeah it definitely, I definitely went on a little journey of it with it. Like at first I thought he meant he was like hanging upside down like a bat. Yeah, I thought it was like a weird <laughs> sex swing thing or something. And then, well, then there was like all the talk about like the crotch, and I was like, uh, "Yep, okay. his crotch is presented and bulging, and like it, it's like <laughs> no, it's more of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show suspension chamber, only without liquid." Okay, well, do you think I? You know what? I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to get the comic because honestly, I've been meaning to forever, and I need to just like make that leap. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't read them, at least I could, you know, look at the picture. Yes. <laughs> you know, like a really literate person. <laughs> well, it's same thing with like the there's um, and this is not for this chapter, but there's some descriptions of like what the uh, sisters are wearing and a few oh. of the terms I did not recognize. Is it like wimple and things? Yeah, like that? I didn't know what a wimple was. Okay, so I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure I know what that is. Uh, is that I mean, like a wimple the... can look like a lot of things? So exactly, I was like, wait a minute, is this that ball they use in cribbage, you know, or something like that? Oh, the oh god, what is that called? Um... I, I don't think it's called wimple, but it's like got a really similar yes. weird name to it. It does have I I could it's the ball it's the yeah with the little wings. It's yep, like, yep, yep, a yep, shuttle exactly. a. a a shuttle? Yeah, maybe shuttle. I don't know. I think it is. <laughs> anyway, the, so for this, the comic, like, and I think we've run into this with the regular books where we're yeah. like, man, I wish someone had done a comic up of that gate or, you know, these other things because then we would have a canon image in our mind to actually refer to. Right. I mean, it would have been really nice with Wizard of Glass, but I think those books take place, is meant to be like contemporary as opposed to flashback. Yeah. So they don't have the eddie and Susanna stuff at the beginning and the end so we wouldn't have get to see oz that way because it should have come i would imagine because it would have come up in all my google searching when i was too lazy to try to just imagine it by myself <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna take your advice and definitely pick up the comic which like i said i've been meaning to do anyway all right cool so before we get into this chapter uh can you do me a solid and let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is around here like a pair of dugs escaping from a ripped shirt down no! into the rotten flesh of, of the air. We will we will let you know before those dugs escape out into the spoiler zone. When they come flopping out. When they come flopping out. <laughs> oh my god, that is seriously the most upsetting. I'm just imagining like wide pancake titties. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> A mile long and an inch deep. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Just straight up flapping. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. So where did we leave off last time? Uh, Well, uh, the gang escaped from Oz, and then we didn't really leave off anywhere. We finished yeah. the book, so... It's a trick question. Okay, <laughs> I, I think gotcha. really where we got to start is we got to precap this by saying, listen, yeah. guys, um, this actually takes place pre the books yes and so pre the books dispose you shouldn't have to know anything specific about uh the dark tower series to still have a decent frame of reference for what's going on and roland as a character because he's introduced there's a lot of like stuff that once you know you can pick out but you don't Mm -hmm. have to know it to enjoy the story um also stephen king describes it as like him still in the throes of trying to find uh, the man in black and mm-hmm. pick up the trail. So that's kind of the position that we find Roland in. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, when I was trying to figure out where to sandwich this one in, I wasn't really sure because obviously you can't do it before the gunslinger. Cause it has all kinds of 
wizard and Quest stuff in it. But yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, it's also kind of weird. But whatever. I don't care. I'm excited to get into it. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So tell me about this oh, this chapter, Deej. Uh, so we start off with uh, Roland basically riding an old coughing horse uh, yeah. through, like, kind of a New Mexico-esque area. Um, and the horse is, like, sickly and and sort of dying. Roland's, like, batting the flies away from it with, like, an internal dialogue of, I'm not going to let <laughs> these flies take this horse um, before he's dead. And so Roland kind of um, wanders up to this Spanish village-ish thing. And it's got, like, I imagine it almost, this feels, like, very uh, mesa where you have yeah. the stucco that stops about a mm-hmm. hundred feet on either side from the gate, and even if the gate were locked, you could literally just walk around it and walk yeah. in. And <laughs> the way the town's described is like it has the gate on the front, and uh, that's the nice one, and it has like a lesser gate on the back that's the not so nice one, <laughs> yeah. frumpy one. I was as he was describing this, I was just thinking of Red Dead Redemption. Right? Yeah, like you definitely. Roll up to a new town. There was definitely some places that had this adobe gate that really didn't keep you out of anything. Yeah, I was like you're as you're going through this, you're almost like waiting for the <laughs> Yeah. And then like Roland's like looking around and he sees a church, he sees a number of saloons, and then he starts having this like kind of weird internal monologue about uh churches and the Jesus man. Mm-hmm. And talks mm-hmm. about the different types of uh, Jesus man that are available in, uh, you know, Midworld. Yeah. And that this must have been one of the better towns because the church got along nicely with, with the alcoholics. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, then he kind of, like, has this fun little rant about, like, it doesn't matter which Jesus man you believe in because yep. they're all uh, basically, what was it, mixing blood as far as Roland was concerned, God of the Cross was just another religion, which taught that love and murder were inextricably bound together. In the end, God always drank blood. There you go. Yeah. that And that's a great quote. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to pull it because, well, we'll get into it because, you know, I love a good motif. And this <laughs> book definitely does. Uh, before we get into the town, let's just step back for one second because okay. we're kicking off the story and it really is driving home how utterly alone Roland is. This is post Wizard and Glass, post the death of his father and his, you know, the murder of his mother and whatever happened to Cuthbert and Elaine and Shimi and apparently even Russia. He is totally alone. The only companion that he has is literally dying out from underneath him. And it's reinforced by how desolate and eerie quiet the setting he's in. The sun's just baking down on him. He is very much a man alone. And this is really, since the gunslinger, the first time we've been with Roland without some kind of quartet, right? He, in the second book, he picks up his quartet in this, and then he, they've been his companions ever since. Mm-hmm. And the other story, he already had his quartet around him. So here we are seeing Roland pre, but much more in line with the Roland that we first met in the Gunslinger. Um, what was the name of the horse? Because uh, yeah, Topsy. I'm glad you Topsy. brought that up. Yes, uh, that was such a weird name that I was like, I gotta ask Rachel about that. Maybe there's well, some. I reference. was wondering if it's a reference to Topsy the elephant. Do you know who that is? No idea. So Topsy the Elephant was, this is a true story, that he was a former circus elephant that, so Edison electrocuted this this elephant to prove it was like a, a stunt that he did. So I think the one you're actually talking about then would be, um, so during the battle between Edison and Tesla, it was AC versus DC, and Edison wanted everything to be DC, so his mm-hmm. demonstration to show that electricity that was AC was dangerous and DC was less. There you so, go. That's probably it. by electrocuting and killing creatures mm-hmm. and hurting them on stage. Yep. And then he went even went so far as to invent the electric chair as a final thumb in the eye of Tesla to say like, look at how dangerous this is. There you go. So you know the history of electricity. Yep. And, and in reality, the only reason DC wasn't as dangerous is because they, at the time, did not have the technology to get the voltage up high enough. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know if that's specifically a reference to Topsy. 
but it's certainly what I thought of. Huh, interesting. I didn't know about that, and I didn't know the name of the elephant, so. I just know it because there's a Bob's Burger episode. Oh, really? <laughs> where there's a whole song that goes, uh, they'll say autopsy at his autopsy. <laughs> 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 so it's not like I'm a history buff. <laughs> I guess. Like, Dang, girl, you know your stuff. I guess so. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the religion thing. Because you, as you alluded to, Roland, uh, I mean, religion has existed in the books up until this point, but I think this is the first time we've had Roland editorializing about what he thinks about religion, and it is not super flattering. We learned about the the Jesus man is a thing that is in Midworld, but it's just sort of one of many religions. He also references Baal and Asimodeus, who, which are both not book inventions they mm. are pre-existing things so Baal was a god that was worshipped by mi- the middle eastern communities particularly like the canaanites so Baal comes up in the bible asimodeus is a a jewish legend who is the king of demons and so he's kind of compartmentalizing jesus into all of these it's not separated in terms of at least how he thinks about religion or in terms of the way Midworld sees religion, like Jesus is just one of the many sort of religions that are practiced there. But ultimately, in his opinion, it's all pretty corrupt. And he ties this to the idea that religion itself has also been corrupted by the way that the world has moved on and has become this something else that is bloodthirsty and corrupt. And it goes, it's the first time that we get this ongoing motif in this book, which is all about eating and consumption. And time and time again, I'm going to touch on this a few times throughout both of these sections where thing we we refer to things being eaten or consumed. And I think the little bit I know about this book makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like I kind of have a little bit of an idea of where this is going just because I've done research. So I've seen a few little spoilers, but the idea of consumption makes sense. Uh, So a couple of other quick little notes before we move on, we get a detail about the town that one of the saloons is called the bustling pig. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that too. Well, I think it's an, for one thing, it's kind of an ironic title, right? Because it's the saloon in a ghost town. (laughs) But I also wondered, is it a reference to the Dixie pig? That's what I thought it was. Also, the last thing we read about in the last few sections we read about, there was the pig pen on Randall Flagg's chest. So there, pigs seem to come up a lot. And I, I'm wondering if those are just little, I don't think there's any real major significance to it, but I do, I wonder if it's like little Easter eggs, essentially. Yeah. Um. There's also these like swinging ropes across town with like little jingly bells all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then the description of the town is like some of the, some of the doors look like they might have been busted in. Yeah. Some of them look like they're normal. And then yeah. r- there's a really important, like, little caveat Roland points out. It's like the flowers are still tended, which which means that, like, oh, the I gardens and stuff have been taken care of, which means that whatever is bestowed or, you know, happened to this town has happened fairly recently. And yes. S- Stephen King uses that as a kind of a um hang your hat on moment with the uh you know the stained doors and stained floor and stained inns and in the sheriff's office mm-hmm. is that the blood is still fresh enough that flies are are gathering in it yeah i love this whole sense of creeping dread we get while he's going through town as we start seeing these little signs of violence like the door ripped off with something red on it or eventually when he gets to the the sheriff's office just the blood-soaked bunk bed it escalates but because it's so quiet and there's no immediate threat you just have this sense of wrongness he describes it as having a reddish odor that there's he's like telling himself like beware roland this place has a reddish odor and and i mean obviously that makes me think blood but also crimson king i don't know what do you think uh so that's a common description of like is it? iron Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Well, yeah. That's and what like, I'm wondering. And if you smell blood, like it smells, it smells irony. And then iron, like as it rusts, also has that like red tint to it. So I've heard it said before, like you smell blood. So that one, you know, like, or you smell, smell red. And like at the time, I think I, and 
I, I actually would need somebody smarter than me to go f- tell me if this is true or not. But I seem to recall that iron rust was a orig- like one of the original dyes. Mm, I mean, to that add makes to stuff. sense. Yeah. So like it goes uh, full stop. It, there's there's a really interesting like color um, color understanding article in uh, the New York Times like five or six years ago where they're like no one really had a blue dye right for the longest time and so right. no one really had a description for blue like you read all of these Bible passages written uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago and since they didn't have blue blue uh, dye they described the sky completely differently than we do today. Oh, that's so interesting. And so, like, and they actually reference a bunch of of literature that's made it that long. And you start reading it and realize that there's not a single instance where someone refers to the sky in a way that we would today. They refer to it as like crimson and and like golden and and these other terms. And they're based on the fact that no one really knew what blue they just didn't like have a word for it. They didn't have a word for it because they didn't have a dye for it. So it makes you wonder what your because we don't have language for it. Like, what are the things that we're blind to? Oh yeah, right. Well, I mean, uh, we can go like some Orwell or uh, whatever and start changing the way you speak about certain things mm-hmm. to completely re-influence and program your brain into believing that something is nicer than it is. I mean, yeah. All right, so uh, so Roland's rolling into town. Um, and that joke always gets old. Uh, and <laughs> so after kind of like looking around the town, he finds his way to the sheriff's office. And there's this kind of moment before he goes in the sheriff's office where Roland sort of like sits down on the ground and yells out, you know, hello, town. <laughs> As this kind of like fun. I, I don't know. I It sort of felt like a computer programming joke for a minute. Uh-huh. You know, because, like, the first thing you ever learn to do in computer programming is is write Hello World. Is that right? Yeah, that's, like, if you ask any computer programmer, like, did you get your Hello World? Like, they'll they'll kind of smirk at you and be like, yeah, well, that was the first class. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. And so, like, when he says Hello Town, I was thinking, like, wow, this, that's sort of like an analog uh, Hello World as Roland uh, walks into town and, you know. I uh, thought it was an interesting choice of words, not just like, hello, is there anyone there? But hello town. I mean, I exactly. know that Roland has a tendency to be formal and to have yeah, mid-worldies, you know, but mm-hmm. it just, it was kind of an awkward turn of phrase. So I, that's interesting that it could potentially be. Yeah. Thing. And I might be overthinking it too. So don't. That's, I mean, that, that the, if I could go back and rename the podcast, it would be just overthinking the Dark Tower <laughs> with DJ and Rachel. <laughs> so Roland, like, basically busts into this old sheriff's office. He sees, um, it, he was expecting it to be empty, and this town is sweltering hot. So when the door pops open, like, it's already pretty steamy in there. And he he kind of has this moment where he thinks about the town as a whole, and the fact that there's no people in this town to put out a fire mm-hmm. if a fire were to happen. And when the the inside of the building's so hot that the door pops open with pressure, it, it kind of gives you a, a hint of like what kind of heat is going on in this area. And yeah. Roland, basically after examining the sheriff's office, finds this kind of piece of paper that is the list of, well, first we get the town's name, Rachel. Illuria. Eloria, and it's like a list of crimes that have been committed in in Eloria, and like what has happened to the criminals. And mm-hmm. he's going through it, and there's like some cattle theft. Uh, there's a interesting euphemism for rape that they throw in there. Yeah, it's like, oh, and Roland's just like, no, that's not right. It's just he's that guy is a rapist, right? Yeah, and yeah. we get a mention Ooh. of the Green Folk, which sounds so. Not what they are. Like, when I heard Green Folk, I don't know, maybe it's because... I was thinking, like, elves or, you know... Yeah, wood nymphs! (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I was not expecting what we got. But again, I should have known. Everything is corrupted in this world. So, like, what's the most corrupted version of the color green? Right? (laughs) I should have known. I love this part because I love seeing Roland in detective mode a little bit. I think it's a fun way for us to do some... Or for, for... king to deliver some context right he's giving us 
uh, a vibe of the town. He's giving us the setup of the town without it just being this big exposition dump or, you know, as much as we loved those descriptions of what uh, Magus was like as the seasons turned, this is a really economical and easy way for us to learn about it. Like we find out that the town was probably pretty chill, like you said, because there's two saloons and a church. Mm-hmm. So like, it probably isn't like a super fundamental town. We find out that, you know, it's not a, there isn't a ton of crime in town. There's some, the odd crime. We find out a little bit about the green folk. There's all these little details that we get to learn through Roland's perspective as, as like detective Roland. Um, and I don't know. I thought it was like good economical writing and fun to just see Roland in a different, different kind of light. I mean, I, as in being the first time visiting this, uh, it sort of feels like it's given you what you sort of got out of Hambury, mm-hmm. only with a older Roland in a more corrupt world. Yes, yeah. Which is nice and like more cowboy. I think the stressful of a lady, by the way, is no the, stressful is the of a lady. Yep, that yeah. was what I was trying to remember. <laughs> There was a couple, That's a pretty like, solid euphemism. <laughs> I started scribbling these down when I was going through it, and then I uh, immediately lost the paper and gave up and took a nap with Hero. So, oh, it sounds so cute and so nice. Nothing is better than an afternoon nap. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Roland finds the list. He's in the town. Um, he leaves the sheriff's office, hops back on his horse, starts wandering forward, and like immediately sees this kind of like ratty dog. Yeah. And this ratty dog is like yanking at a boot that's hanging out of a water trough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's important or not, but the water trough is a wooden water trough. And Roland um, says that like locals will often call it like steel wood. Hmm. And yeah, it's actually uh, it's it's a big piece of redwood and the oh. pumps off. There's no water running into this trough anymore, but the. The boy has been floating in there for enough days. And then with this heat that he's kind of like a, almost a skin soup in there. Yuck. And like, as the dog's like kind of chewing on yanking at the boot and trying to get the good meat inside. Um, Roland's trying to figure out what's going on with this dog and why it doesn't just hop in and grab what it wants and then hop back out again. And as Roland gets closer, he realizes that, Oh shoot, (laughs) this dog, you know, is all busted up. And he even refers to it for a moment as like a Jesus dog. Yep. And I don't know if I know what that means. Actually, I think the dog, it has maybe they've like painted or dyed or bleached a cross onto its chest. Does this fall anywhere in with like Roland grabbing the tail to insult somebody um, in previous books? Because that, that, yeah, so there's not Roland himself, but like the, the protagonist in, um, in Hungary, like grabs a dog's tail that the kids have cut off. Oh, and like you mean uses Jonas, it, yeah. yeah, uses it to write red all over inside of their place, and then leaves mm. the tail. And I hadn't thought about that. So I, when I was thinking about this dog, and then the Jesus dog thing, I, I was originally trying to understand why leaving a tail would be an insult. Because I mean, it's gross. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like. I never really understood the significance of it either, except exactly. for maybe they were trying to somehow pin the mutilation of the local dogs on them. On the on like a boy or them or yeah. yeah. But yeah. in this context, it sort of feels like maybe dogs had a higher higher calling. Hmm. Maybe. And so then like cutting the tail off was an extra level of maybe. Did a it have its tail result. cut off? Well, this dog does not. Oh, okay. But the other dog had its tail cut off, so when Roland well, I think they were to... just being cruel to those dogs. Oh, they were okay. just mean, mean kids being mean to dogs. Remember, they blew the dog's mouth out. Oh, oh yeah, with firecrackers. Yeah. I like yeah. to forget about it, but yeah. So my interpretation of this: oh, so we see the dog. The dog has the ho- the the cross on its chest. So not only is this quote unquote man's best friend, but he's a holy dog. But instead of being friendly or I don't know. Pious? Can dogs be pious? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, they can be uppity, certainly. We see that he's eating a child. And once again, we get this, there's this distant sound of knocking. And when we find the source of it, it's something in the town wanting to consume something else. It's eating, it's chewing, it's gnawing on the boot. And the person that he's eating is essentially the same age of Roland as he was in Wizard of Glass. So it's just, again, this repeating 
um, return to everything here wants to eat. There's actually a great uh, quote, too, from the book where um, he starts talking about the knocking and then uh-huh. refers to it as the sound of knocking on a coffin door. Yes, he's like and knocking on a door or the lid of a coffin. Yep, and yeah. when he sees the, sees the kid, he's like, maybe it was more apt that it was the lid of a coffin, you know? Yeah, I mean, it kind of was. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The lid and of so the this kid, like, he sees in the fountain, like, coffin. he's pretty bloated and, like, starting to come apart. And Roland decides, like, look, this kid's got a medallion on his neck, a little, like, amulet type of thing going on. And uh, so even though the water's super gross and, like, probably something that's a biohazard, Roland kind of thinks, like, well, okay, uh, Ka would be to, you know, save this and, like, return it to his family someday. Right. Which is, like, a super noble Rolandy thing to do. And we get a couple more, like, noble moments coming yeah. up here yeah. that are out of, um, out of context of the regular Roland that we know today. Yeah, I mean, it's this is definitely we get still a little transitionary. Yes, like we got like a little boy stuff still back in his head, right? Oh, for sure. Like we're getting a little roadmap on his character arc. He's not the stone cone killer that we're going to see. The next time we see him is Tolk, right? And the last time we saw him was Magus or, and the stuff with his mom. So we're seeing that even though he's now a man alone, he's been through a lot of shit. There's still some of that not humanity, but that softness and uh, about him. Well, and Roland, even like as he's about to reach for it, he says internally, like, uh, if I were even a little bit yep. younger, I would not do, would, would have not done this. This right. would have been too much for me. And yeah. mm-hmm. the whole time he's Good reaching call. in to like pull his amulet out with his hand. I'm like, go find a freaking stick, you weirdo. <laughs> right? There's got to be some sticks around here. Yeah, I mean, like, you don't have anything on you, like a string or something. You're, you're a cowboy. Throw a lasso. I don't know. Just right? There's got to be hand. something in his, what is it called? His chappy or something? Yeah, what is his chappy. <laughs> That's not right. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he has yeah. this little parcel that he carries around. There's got to be some sort of, you know, retrieving tool up in there. And so as, as he grabs this from the guy or from this kid in the in the fountain, like or in the uh, horse trough, I guess would probably be a better term. He uh, Roland notices like some green folks rolling in. Well, and, the horse dies, and the horse like like just yeah kicks over right after he sees these folks. And well, so I think you know the horse dies, and it makes Roland look up, and he spots them. Oh, okay, I I misunderstood. I thought yeah. he was like, oh, I could have ridden the horse to shoot him. But no, no, then no. The horse just dies. He, if that horse had not died, he was like, "Oh, they would have got me," because they were like creeping up so quiet that uh, he and he, even with like his super gunslinger powers, although I guess he's still pretty young here, they would have got the drop on him had Topsy not dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Topsy, more like bottom C, right? <laughs> uh, so, so these green folks are like kind of they're sort of slow muties but they've got something special going on that's not yeah. normal slow mutie they've yeah. got their own sort of communicative language yeah. that's grasps and grunts um mm-hmm. and they've obviously become somewhat a tool users they have clubs and piano legs and so on yes and used. they rock sweet chapeaus yeah and so uh, at, before we get to that though like the dog interaction one more thing roland fires like a warning shot because the dog's getting a little growly at him for getting close and the dog doesn't completely leave but he he kind of like backs off a little bit and there's this great description where um roland's like maybe the dog's never seen a bullet before so he doesn't know how dangerous it is and once a dog's got a taste for human flesh you know there's yeah there's no no turning back he should probably be put out of his misery and when and i want to bring that up because like Roland doesn't put it out of its misery. Mm-mm. and he can't then bring himself to shoot the dog. Exactly. And then he sees these these uh, green guys coming for him, and, like, Roland hesitates and doesn't fire on him right away. Mm-hmm. He gives him, like, a, a couple of warnings, and then he shoots one of them, and, like, even the that doesn't... are made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, like, even that doesn't really phase uh, these guys. And Roland has this moment of internal dialogue, again, where he's like, you know... Um, you know, if they haven't attacked me yet, like maybe I need to give them a chance, sort of thing. And it's like that. 
Yeah. That's, that's not the Roland we know. Like, regular Roland would have been like, bang, 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 and, like, ask questions afterwards. Right. I mean, I think this is intentional, right? If we are, if there is an arc from where he was in the last book to where he ends up in the gunslinger, this, these are the lessons that he learned that taught him or that, you know, over the course, maybe, I don't know what all is going to happen in this, but this is at least one really great example of why he needs to be so ruthless is that his mercy, his um, hesitance to shoot on not unarmed, but people without guns Mm-hmm. ends up with him really it definitely scars him yeah definitely definitely <laughs> i think you're absolutely right uh yeah. Fig- figuratively and literally so yeah. these guys um as roland's like distracted by the group that's coming up and as rachel pointed out they're fairly quiet operators uh he fires a couple shots warns them they kind of stand off at him but like aren't intimidated by him and then uh, behind him is like a tipped over wagon and out crawls like a couple of them that get him from behind. And before Roland even realizes it, he's got a crowd of, you know, maybe 20 or 30 of these things surrounding him, just beating the tar out of him. Mm-hmm. And as he's going unconscious, one of them hits him in the leg with a, a, a club that has nails in it. Yeah. And the rusty teeth bite into his leg. Tetanus, tetanus. Tetanus, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then Roland's being bludgeoned so much that he sort of, his hand still feels like it's got the gun in his hand, but the gun's been long tossed off to the distance as he's being beaten down, and then he fades into darkness. Yeah. So if our running motif in this section is about eating and consuming things, then the green people are that motif personified. <laughs> they are, you know, they're smart enough to hunt prey and, like I said, accessorize with cool hats. But ultimately, they're they're cannibals. They're indiscriminate about what they eat. They are hunger in its most corrupted form. And uh, I'm I'm going to read this little passage of of Roland going down because I think it speaks to this ongoing running theme, right? The club slamming down on him, slamming all over him as if the green folk wanted not just to beat him to death, but to tenderize him as they did so. Which, of course, you know, tenderize me. (laughs) As he went down into the darkness of what he most certainly believed would be his death, he heard the bugs singing, the dog he had spared barking, and the bells hung on the church door ringing. These sounds merged together into a strangely sweet music. Then that was gone, too. The darkness ate it all. Oh, that's a good quote. I'm glad Isn't... you caught that because I, I caught the teeth motif with the like uh-huh. club and stuff. Yep. But I didn't really think about the consumption portion of it. So. Oh yeah, yeah. This is all about wanting to just gobble Roland up. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> yep, that's what I got for this section. Okay, so uh, um, Roland goes out dark. Uh, we don't know what happens to him. We get kind of like a mystery gap in memory and he sort of like slowly comes to and he's in a weird way and if you if you listen to the pre-ramble we started this podcast off with um you'll know i discussed the comic for a second and the reason is is because the description stephen king gives us of where roland is at is in like a dark room with the sound of those bugs that rachel mentioned earlier just like kind of singing and these jingling bells similar to the ones that we heard kind of strung around the town and by the church uh, rattling in the distance. And Roland is sort of like hanging in this um, void and he's not sure what's going on. And he's looking around um, next to him and seeing these other folks, uh, specifically a boy and an older man um, sort of covered in white uh, floating as well. And Roland is like kind of feeling around, and I'm jumping around here, Rachel. So feel free to pull the reins in if I <laughs> if, if I mess it up because this all blends sort of together for me. Yeah, he's, he's sort of feeling around, and he realizes that that chain that he'd taken from the boy is now around his neck, and the medallion or amulet is tucked in underneath of his white robe, and he's not quite conscious yet, and he's sort of hearing these sisters. This is the first bit we get of them, like murmuring in the distance Mm -hmm. and they're like no you you can't take that off of him (laughs) 
right. leave him alone, you know, and so we we don't know quite what's going on yet, but at the same time, there's a, a girl sort of like touching Roland. Yeah. And we get this moment where like Roland's like, I haven't, I haven't felt for, uh, well, I guess. No, this no, quite, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. He nope. just, he has, it's, it feels good. And for a moment he's yep. enjoying it. And then he's like, oh God, what if it's a green hand? Yeah, then... exactly. There you go. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was, uh, I was searching for it cause I, he like sort of has like a, a weird, like lovey moment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it makes he hears the girl's voice and he feels her cold hand on his body, and it makes him think of Susan. Yes, yes, thank you. That was what I was looking for. Yep. And yep. so, yeah, so Roland is like not sure if he's dead, and there's this moment where he like doesn't panic, but he's like, "Is this what you know? What the voices of the whispering dead sound like? Mm-hmm. Is is this hell and or heaven? And me just sitting in this like purgatorial." area uh, waiting to take my turn on the you know perpetual wheel of of whatever and, and so it's just kind of a a weird moment to see roland wake up in yeah well he talks about how the experience of waking up this time doesn't feel like any other time he's come out of consciousness that it feels like rising and i don't know i haven't read ahead so i don't know but i feel like this is going to come back do you have any interpretation about this uh, so i'm I'm trying not to mess up here because like, <laughs> because you did. Re- <laughs> I guiltily like consumed this whole thing, and then you consumed, consumed it. it. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> three times or four times, and went over and over it again. And so like, I have some post okay, okay post knowledge well, that I need to like sort of put the cap on. Okay, um, well, I will say I would not be surprised if this comes back. This feels important, even though it's kind of breezed over. The one of the really thing- important. Oh, go ahead, Rachel. No, no, no please you. One of the important important things to notice that when Roland looks over at this gentleman that's across the way. Oh, okay, yeah. Actually, let me pause then before we okay, get yep. too far ahead. Okay, so because I mean, this it all kind of happens really quickly, but there are a couple just really quick beats I wanted to point out. One of which is when he first wakes up, he's still when he moves, he finds himself that he's still in a lot of pain. He has like this tree trunk of agony along his spine, but and he hears the sounds of the bells and the sort of crickety bugs, right? But mm-hmm. when this happens, the pain any the pain starts, all the bugs go silent as well. And I'm I'm guessing you can't talk to me about this because I cannot. <laughs> okay, all right. The other thing is is he feels like there's hands all over his body. And so my thinking, my interpretation is is it the bugs? Uh so as Roland <laughs> looks over to his next door neighbors, there's two people, like I mentioned, the kid and the older man. <laughs> The the older man with his like tree trunk esque legs curled about. Uh, oh my god, the twisted legs! So yep. he described is so upset. And parts of his body appear to be moving, even though it doesn't seem like they should be able to. Right. Um, and then Rowan looks at the kid, and the kid per- uh, petrifies him for a moment because like he looks at the the face of this kid next to him and sees the face of the kid that was in the in the tank. Yeah. And it like has a sort of internal panic moment where he's like, did they bring him back to life? You know? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? You know, like what kind of magic is this? And then um, he he realizes like, are they going to think I'm some kind of like uh, a thief? I have this medallion on my chest and like it was his right. medallion. And like, what do I do? Yeah, he has this moment where he's more freaked out at the thought that this girl that was petting him will think that he's a thief that he stole he was some mm-hmm. ghoul that stole off the body and again it goes back to this idea that roland is not the roland that we come to know down the road that he still has a little bit of these romantic notions in him not necessarily love romance but like these sort of honor bound chivalrous kind of ideology still in him that he would feel great shame if they thought he was right. stealing from the dead yeah and it's like man you're you're all busted up and hanging in like a weird uh, kooky hospital like in the last thing you got to worry about is whether or not right. you got like you know someone's uh golden medallion hanging around your neck it's not an arbitrage yeah. dude it's just a thing right 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 but uh yeah so um there's this other moment too where like in this darkness like roland realizes things aren't right and yeah. like court's voice sort of comes to him right and it, and 
the way Roland describes it is like those moments when he doesn't want to do something or he feels like he's not going to do as good of a job. It's like, get to it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Court get is on not it. putting up with no bullshit. Exactly. And like, it, I found that sort of enjoyable because like, even though court disappears as a actual character, he lives on as a mental character for many, yeah. many moons. Yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, and I mean, it's, again, Roland relies on, because he is alone, he relies on the voices of all the people he left behind to kind of keep, it's the way that he processes things. He doesn't have anyone to talk to, so the voices live on in his head as his advisors, as the people he bounces off things, ideas off of. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting. It gives us a lot of insight into Roland, again, in a way that I think is good economical writing. And so basically during this time, Roland's sort of like drifting in and out of consciousness mm-hmm. and he like comes back to again, tucks the medallion away underneath of his, his white robe that he's got yeah. put on him. And he like notices that the, the guy that's next to him now has like a pink spot on his face where the, there used to be a uh, wound and now it's just like kind of a, a wound scar like that yeah. fresh flesh that has grown in and mm-hmm. and uh roland sort of like is a little nervous again and then a uh, court's voice comes back to him and is like you never were one for imagination and th- there's two moments too where roland's remembering stuff there's the bit where he remembers that like someone's telling him he doesn't have an imagination there's another moment where like roland is described as having very fine gears they turn slow but they turn fine so like they're they're not fast to pick up but when they do pick it up they pick it up really well yes and then i already lost the third one dang it i had had three but um well he he's saying like are you ready gunslinger if you're not you better get ready thank you rachel you're welcome and so those three moments are like like rachel was saying about the story arc Mm -hmm. this really describes like where roland's at because He's a much faster thinker when we're introduced to him later. Yeah. And no one would describe him as slow at all. Um, And so this is like Roland still building up ahead of steam as a younger man. I mean, he's still inexperienced, right? Exactly. You really realize how much of who he is as a result of his, his life experience. Yep. And so then Roland like basically falls back into darkness listening to the bugs and the bells ring. Um, mm-hmm. and, and these like sort of musical crickets just going, yep. again? Yep, exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one other thing I, I don't know if you can answer this is okay. that he looks at Roland, Roland looks at the boy and he sees that he has the medallion and he, you know, understands what's happening and it's a relief, but it didn't, I mean, I, I it keeps the, I think intentionally keeps the reader in the dark or did I just I mean, miss No, it? you can you make an easy leap of faith to understand that one. That it's just a different kid? Uh from town? well, if you know, let's say you have um a family of kids. Oh, it's a sibling. And uh they often Duh, I'm so stupid. Yes, they often of course. look similar to each yes, other. Yes, of course. And if you so- oh. drop them in a fountain and let them swell up, they might not look perfectly similar. Yep. Uh, that's a hundred percent okay. I'm so dumb. I was like really trying to be like, what what does this mean? But it's just it's a sibling. Of course it is. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any spoilers in that zone. No, That's just like... no. I, I, I feel like I wasn't sure if we were intentionally left in the dark or if it was an obvious conclusion. And it sounds to me like the answer is it was an obvious conclusion. I just didn't make it. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I got, Rachel. Did I all miss right. anything you want to you want to no. touch on? No, I think we touched on it all. What do you think? Uh, our first foray back into Midworld with new material. Um, I'm happy that you introduced me to this. I was not expecting right anything interesting or good um i i kind of like have my well actually you know what i can't tell you what my suspicions were because they were all like checked off at the end so like okay uh, okay but uh um it, it is really cool to see roland in another minisode yeah and this probably there's i know we're gonna hit a few of them on the way through this journey but like 
it feels like the world is so big that we could have gotten a lot more of these. Oh yeah, without disturbing the main canon. Yeah, canon. <laughs> yeah. And so I almost feel like you know how uh, Mandalorian has like mm-hmm. refreshed Star Wars in a way mm-hmm. that has otherwise been missed. Yeah, it reminds me of those some of the questions you've asked the listeners, where it's like, "What character would you like to follow around for a while?" It's like, damn it, Stephen King. Why don't we just do that for a bit and yeah. and knock off the main trunk and and just have a couple of branches, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I I'm so glad you enjoyed it because I I I have not read ahead, but even just this entry, like I just felt like, ooh, I just slipped into a warm bath. Intrigue <laughs> and interest. Yes, I. It's mysterious. It's creepy. It's you know more Roland. Um, although, like you said, I'd be happy to Mandalorian style deviate from the main story and like have a side like there's other the world is big there's opportunities for lots of stories and so um i totally would love a million of these short side quests whatever but yeah i i really enjoyed this i love the setting it's really creepy uh i think it has potential to be really interesting it sounds like just kind of your vibe like that's the case so i'm even more excited than i already was i really enjoyed this i liked getting to see detective roland um i'm very curious what's happening with these bugs and hands and siblings (laughs) 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 yeah you know no i'm super 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 in and really excited that we're doing this well positive note it's not super long so you'll get introduced to a lot of this immediately yeah, I, the only thing is it's not super long, so it'll be over soon. <laughs> yep. And I'll be very sad. <laughs> All right, cool. So for those of you who are reading along, and we hope you are, next time we are going to be covering sections three and four. I think there's six total, so we'll do three and four and then five and six. Okay. Wrap it up. Cool, 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 cool. So listener questions. As I said at the top of the show, rather than asking the question just on Facebook, I wanted to open it up to everybody. And so I, on this note, as we were saying, we really love that we're getting this little like rolling side quest. Uh, And I was wondering if there are other examples of side quests to main stories that you really love. It can be in a book. It can be in a TV show, maybe like a one-off episode that takes you on a different little side journey. I'd love to hear what your favorite side quests are. Um, I don't know what my answer is going to be, so I'm glad I'm giving myself two weeks to think about it. And DJ, you got two (laughs) weeks to think about it too, brother. (laughs) So if you want to answer that, you can do so on the Facebook where I will also post this question. Or you can drop us a line at castofcaw at zombiegirls, that's G-R-R-L-Z dot com. Hit us up. Let me know. I want to hear from you. All right. So on that note, unless you are sticking around for the extended episode that's kind of it I, there's no real new news on the adaptation front chapel weight just came out this weekend but i haven't had a chance to talk or look at it so once i watch it i'll definitely maybe in the next extended episode talk about it a little bit is that a movie or is it a series of television it's, shows it's a series i don't i think it's a limited series i don't know how many episodes maybe another mini series kind of like yes. the stand yes so it is a it is from a short story that Stephen King wrote, and it is a prequel to Salem's Lot. Chapel Hill. All right, writing it down. Chapel Wait. Chapel Wait. All right, writing that down. I'll send you a link. (laughs) Wait, that's right. (laughs) So I don't know. Maybe we could check out the pilot and talk about it on the next episode. I don't want to commit to it yet, but like, if we really like it, maybe we'll, we'll cover it. But anyway, so I don't really have any news. So that's kind of it for us. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at that email, or you can follow uh, hit us up on our Facebook group, or you can follow us on Instagram at ZG Podcasts, plural, or ZG Podcast on Twitter. If you want some cool new duds today, my boyfriend was on a Zoom call with someone and he was wearing his Castlecaw shirt, and somebody was like, That shirt's so cool. Who doesn't want to hear that they're cool, right? Right. So check out <laughs> our t-shirts and other merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love us and you want to support us, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls where you get extended episodes on everything on the network, uh, as well as you get to get to our Discord where we hang out and swap all kinds of 
cool photos and memes and have conversations and generally just kind of hang out there. We're dog kind of pictures. Yeah, dog. You get to see. You'll get to see Hero, the napping dog. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be amazing. It's like when when DJ found the comic book for Sister Little Sisters of Aluria. It'll be like that, only for the dog. <laughs> see what it looks like. But yeah, no, it's really fun. Anyways, so check us out on Patreon. Yada yada. Um. I guess that just leaves what we'll be talking about on the extended episode, which, by the way, even if you're not a patron, you can hear the first few ep- uh, minutes of after the music. So stick around to get a little taste of that. Did you have any idea what we want to do for the extended episode today? Um, we're really we're going to talk about the like horrible depression that is that transition from 33 to 40. <laughs> yeah, but say it in a way that'll make people want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> So I recently attended a birthday party with uh, a number of my um, faux middle-aged friends, and the discussion and haves and haves not came up. And we wanted to dive in and and, and talk a little bit about that and see what went wrong and where people are at, because rent's too damn high. It is too damn high. Everything's too damn high, and I'm too damn low. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it'll be fun, but that only fun. All right, DJ, take us out. Thanks for listening to another exciting episode of the Cast of Caw, where we keep our dugs in and your digs out. <laughs> Go purchase some stuff in the thing. Good night. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies production on this episode was done by yours truly our theme song for the show was created by DJ. hello everyone welcome to the extended episode dj <laughs> well first thing i before we jump into the actual subject i i kind of had this funny experience um this morning uh-huh. i went to the used grocery store and Wait, for, used? Grocery yeah. So store? for those of you that don't know um, about the grocery outlet, it's not really used. To like, okay, okay, I know about a grocery outlet. I was yeah, like, so used? the grocery outlet is like we call it the used grocery store because it's sort of like the Goodwill grocery That's store. Funny. Like anything <laughs> that gets shucked off by the regular grocery stores ends up there. Yeah. So, so you always end up with like really weird flavors of ice cream and like yeah. random meat cuts that have no identifiable. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know that I want to go to the meat section at the used grocery store. <laughs> I mean, I found a really good tri-tip, and this is old person talk, but, like, it's already pre-soaked and sauced. It's just, like, a weird flavor, like uh, Cajun Thai. <laughs> what? Although that's not Cajun Thai. Yeah, and you're like, well. Wait, um, what? <laughs> so this must have been a brand experiment that just didn't sell at the store that yeah, they were at. It and so, like, all the regular like ones sold out. And then this one did not. <laughs> it made it over to like the used grocery store. Although sometimes I like a really weird flavor combo. I've been dreaming about. I only got to have one bite of it because somebody else got ordered it, and I had ordered something else, which was also delicious. But we there was this burger place that was next to a bar we used to go to back in the before times, mm-hmm. where you would like sit in the bar and you'd order a burger and they'd bring it over to you at the bar. It was awesome. Um, and a friend of mine got a burger that was peanut butter and jalapeno jelly. Oh, that's weird. It was weird and the most delicious thing I've ever tasted. I love peanut butter jelly. I mean, not peanut butter jelly. I love, um, the spicy jellies that they do. Uh Uh-huh. And then they also do a spicy peanut butter that's like more of a sauce than a actual like paste (laughs) and that is quite delicious as well um if you ever get a a chance to do it i don't find it out here very often because it's a really weird midwest fusion Uh but they'll do peanut butter chicken at the Thai places chicken yeah so you know like basically like like peanut sauce and chicken uh no this is peanut butter chicken so like it's one it's only like one viscosity point removed from regular peanut butter viscosity okay and then it's like fried chicken bits like you would get in like any other like and chicken thing oh, and it's all this. mixed Easy together to make peanut butter and, chicken Yum. yeah and like uh if you've ever gotten like a really thick piece of peanut butter and it's like gotten stuck in your throat it's that sort of texture of like tasty peanut butter and chicken but also, like, make sure you have a beverage handy. Oh my god, that sounds up! I uh, it's peanut butter chicken is in my future. 
Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites, and you don't find it very often. And a lot of times, people that do do it do it with like really runny sauce. So you gotta you gotta find the thick. But the <laughs> the original uh, 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 sort of crumb I was on is we ended up with some bananas. Okay, and they're like really big bananas, and on the front of the banana is this like picture of Ariel from The Little Mermaid, like laying on a rock. <laughs> With her what? mouth open, being like, "Oh yeah, this is a great banana." What? And I'm Did gonna put this. I was like, gonna... "I know your ass took a picture because you take a picture of oh, everything." Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, I'm dropping this right now. Let me drop this into the general chat with no context whatsoever. <laughs> See, these are the things that you'll get if you join the Discord. <laughs> and so there it is, like dull banana with like, yeah, that's like, weird. This super weird and suggestive, and so like. I wonder if these bananas got extricated from whatever store because of this sticker. <laughs> yeah, weird. It's just Ariel being like, I love bananas. I love me a good long banana. And you're like, right. what? <laughs> I mean, she's like the OG banana chaser, right? Like she straight up left the ocean to chase the yep, banana. Yep, to get, a, get in on that banana sauce. <laughs> and then like, the, famously, they had, um, I believe, the, the wiener clouds in Little, Little Mermaid. Oh no! There's the priest that pops a boner. Yep. And is there? There was the on the cover of the VHS. It was the castle that was like all dicks. Yeah, there you so go. So I'm go. old enough that I have that VHS that is covered in dicks. <laughs> it's one of my prized possessions. <laughs> it's mounted on your wall in a plaque format.